The Mary Mac Show, where we will be talking about your feelings, experiences, and pain following the death of a loved one. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Did you have a good week? How are you doing? Do you feel just a bit lighter, happier? Did you find yourself with a small smile on your face when you were dancing with me? Or when you considered what you're grateful for? Have you found the perfect journal for you? And have you been writing the five things you're grateful for each evening before bed? If this is the first time you're joining me, you might go back to episode one to learn what this is all about. I'm hoping that you're becoming accustomed to writing in your gratitude journal each night before bed. I'm also hoping you're getting better acquainted with how to turn around a negative thought or experience into a positive statement, too. So you may still be wondering if any of this will work. And as I mentioned originally, studies have shown that those who keep a gratitude journal are 25% happier. And why should you do this? Well, because you need to lift yourself from the depths of despair into a higher plane where you can feel hopeful again. You need to know that you are worthy of having a good life again. You are entitled to not feel guilty that you're allowing yourself to begin living your best life, even though your loved one is not here any longer. Now you may be thinking that you want to be left alone. You want to pull the covers up and not come out of the bedroom for days. And I understand that. I've lived that too. And when you're stuck in that place, it seems so overwhelming, especially as we move into Christmas and Hanukkah week, which just happens to be close to one another this year. You might be screaming inside, can I just sink into this? Yes, you can. And to a certain degree, you must. You need to feel all the feelings you're having. You need to experience whatever comes up for you as you move forward in your grieving process. You cannot sidestep that. But what if you gave yourself permission to consider, just for a little bit, the good things you share together, the happier times you experience together, to celebrate their lives and focus less on their death and your pain? I know that sounds so simple to say, but by focusing on the good instead of the bad or instead of the sad, we get to live a more healthy life. We get to honor them and move into a place where we are remembering the relationship we shared with them while they were with us. Since this is holiday week, 
let us spend some time discussing what we might expect and ways to cope with our various emotions. If this is your first Christmas or Hanukkah, after a loved one's death, you may be anxious because you're not really sure what you will feel. If you were able to listen to my last show, episode 2, I encourage you to plan out the season, decide what you are capable of doing, and how to handle invitations. The holiday season you've shared with family and friends in the past may not be appropriate for you this year. You may not be the host for your family. You might visit another family member who may be taking over dinner to make it easier on you. Maybe you've decided not to decorate the outside of your home because it's just too much work and that's okay. Maybe you've decided that going away is better for you and your children after the death of your husband or your wife and their father and mother. You need a whole new outlook this year, and that's fine too. You need to be kind to yourself, not wearing the mask you wear to make people think everything is fine, when you know clearly it's not. Remember that people cannot read your mind, and they feel awkward around us because they don't know what to say or do for us. We need to guide them. Now you're probably thinking, why do I have to do anything? Shouldn't they just know how to help me? Well, the answer to that actually is no. (laughs) They don't know how you're feeling or thinking. And as you probably already know, those feelings can change at any moment. One moment you're stable, another time you're crying uncontrollably. All is natural and normal, but they usually don't know that, so you must help them. And if this is a relative that everyone in the family is grieving, be prepared to not only be consoled, but console others who are also devastated after their death. By comforting others, we comfort ourselves. Let them know how they can help you. Let them know it would help you to speak openly about your loved one because acting like nothing has happened is craziness. It happened. You have been changed by their death, and the last thing you want is to feel ignored or that somehow the person never existed. I have a neighbor of mine who lost her husband just a few months back, and she told me that when she attended a family function after his death, his own family never talked about him, never uttered his name. That stunned her. She couldn't understand how no one even acknowledged her husband or her grief, or even asked her how she was doing. It's like it never happened. Just horrible. So let's look at what you can do to keep their memory alive during the holidays. Will you visit the cemetery? Bring flowers? Lay a wreath? Will you do this as a family? Will you decide on a smaller tree than in past years, but no less special? Maybe you do one gift, like a Kris Kringle, where you purchase something special for only one relative or friend, 
so you won't feel so overwhelmed with shopping. I remember going shopping for gifts, and the music would make me so sad, maybe even teary, and when you pass by a certain section where you no longer need to go to buy a gift for your loved one who died, it really does tug at your heart. I remember when we'd pass the young girls section after Angela was murdered. I'd stop. I wasn't sure why I stopped. I guess I just wanted to acknowledge to myself that this year we wouldn't be looking there. And later, since I now knew myself, I'd walk into the store a different way so I wouldn't have to go past that section, the little girl section. But these days, we have the luxury of ordering gifts online. At dinner, we set a place for them, the same place they always sat at each year. Will that seem awkward to you or actually comforting? Only you can decide. Will you put a flower on their plate to memorialize them? Will you make a special toast to them at the beginning of the meal? Will you or another family member make their favorite pie, favorite soup, or other dish? Will you trade stories on how they always bragged that theirs was the best? (laughs) And maybe you'll go from one person to another around the table and play what I call the remembrance game. Each person gets to tell a funny or memorable story about the person who has died or was killed. They start each story with, remember when. Remember when Grandpa and I used to go to the baseball game and never tell anyone until after we were home? Remember the time that Nana and I were making sauce? We opened the tomato paste can and it exploded all over the ceiling? Remember when Dad brought us fishing and we caught so many we had to get another cooler? Remember when Dad and I went to the father-daughter dance and had such a great time? Our pictures wound up in the yearbook. Remember when I went down to Mom and Dad's condo? It rained all week, and we drank orange cappuccino together all snuggled up on the balcony in blankets. Remember when Grandma and I would go to the cigar shop at night to get Grandpa his cigars, and she'd always get me a treat? Sometimes chocolate, sometimes an Italian ice. Remember when Cousin John and I tried for our driver's license on the same day? He passed. I didn't. Remember when my whole family came up to college for my 21st birthday? Nana cooked for days. It's a very special game, and always remember to include the children and teens. It's amazing the stories that will be shared that many of the folks at the table never even knew happened. (laughs) Another lovely project which can be created is a compilation of many photos and share them together all snuggled with one another in the living room after dinner. Oh yes, there will definitely be tears for this one, so don't forget to pass around the tissue box beforehand. Maybe you'll light a candle on the mantle for your special someone, in their favorite color, of course, 
or you'll decide to hang a stocking or wrap and decorate a special box with a slit on the top so the children can create pictures and adults can write notes of thanks to their loved one. Remember the stack of paper and colored pens on the side. There's no reason that this couldn't become a lovely annual tradition. Now I'd like to take some time to speak about how to help your children and teens during the holidays. They are accustomed to certain traditions each year and may expect you to carry on the regular traditions, but some will say we need to hide our feelings from our children, but they see exactly what is going on. They see what you're feeling and how difficult it is for you to keep up with everything. They know life is not the same since their other parent or sibling has died. Children and teens are smarter than we give them credit. But they grieve too. So please keep them close to you. Hug them. Listen to them. Acknowledge their pain. Give them permission to talk about the loved one who died or was killed. They may be afraid to do so if they think it will hurt you. So you start the conversation. You speak your loved one's name out loud so they know they can too. This year, at Christmas time and during the holidays, we have to spend some extra time attending to the needs of your young people, your teenagers, and your young adults who may have been exceptionally impacted by the death of your special loved one. Why am I saying this? Because frequently, this may be the first time they've actually had a death that's been so impactful in their life. And unfortunately, very young ones don't have the language skills to be able to talk to you and express their needs. And they may regress. They may cling to you. They may decide that They want to isolate themselves and separate themselves from their friends or from their cousins, for instance. And they need extra attention to make sure that they're included in the process of of the Christmas holiday or other holiday. Same for teenagers. Teenagers, even though they may have the language skills, They're afraid to bring out their emotions. They're afraid to share them with you because they're not sure if you're at a place where you could handle what they're saying. They are trying to protect you in essence, especially if another sibling has died or if another parent has died. They're going to try to protect their surviving parent or parents because They want to make sure that you're solid and you're stable. And so they tend to keep their emotions to themselves. And young adults, perhaps they've gone off to a different city to begin their careers. And now they're coming home to a household that is free to talk about the death of their loved one. And they really haven't had an opportunity to do this when they were in their new city, their new adopted city, because their friends at work and their friends that they've, you know, made in their, in their social situations in this new city, they may not feel comfortable talking about the death of their parent or the death of their sibling or grandparent with the new friend. They may not be that close with them just yet. So they've got a lot of pent-up emotion in them as well. 
And so at the holidays, everything is a lot more pronounced to begin with, but it's really important that if you feel that your young people are having difficulty at this time, or they really need to get their emotions out more than they have, it is a great idea to ask someone to shepherd them. Now, what do I mean by that? So shepherding is another individual who they may be close to. Maybe it's a teacher. Maybe it's a relative, a neighbor's parent. Maybe it's a classmate's parent, a teammate's parent. Maybe it's a a really good friend if they're a teenager who still lives in your community that they haven't been in touch with. Someone who they would confide in, someone that they feel safe with. And it may not be you as a surviving parent. Um, And that's perfectly acceptable. And actually, I encourage it. Because if you can find someone that they can speak freely to, it would unburden them. It would give them an opportunity to speak with that person or their friend. And this is their safe spot. And they need that. They need that desperately. So don't feel badly if you're not the go-to person for them. It's perfectly acceptable, and I would encourage you to find an individual who they can confide in so they can get out all this emotion. So as you move forward this week, whatever comes up for you, whatever you're feeling, don't suppress it. Let it arise, the good, bad, and the ugly. Grief is messy. Grief is different for everyone. And we can't know how we will react during the holidays, especially if they are your first. So please be good to yourself. Be kind to yourself. And if you need more help leading up to Christmas and New Year's, you can grab my book, Holiday Grief, which is on my website, marymac.info. It's digital, so you can download it immediately to your computer, tablet, or phone. So now, let's get up and dance and really get into it. Breathe and move and smile and just go for it. Forget what anybody might think. They're not around. This is for you. Thank you so much for joining me today. Remember to write five things you're grateful for in your journal every night before bed. If you feel negative thoughts, change them around to positive statements and add them in your journal. If you'd like to comment on what's working for you during the holidays, go to my website at marymac.info, click on the podcast tab at the top, and episode three to leave your thoughts. I hope you're learning some unique things to help you. Remember to feel happy because you deserve to. Have a good Christmas and Hanukkah. I'll be thinking of you. I'll talk to you again soon.